For today's recorded worship service, we invite you to sing along wherever you are. To help you find the words, I'll list the songs right now. Some of them are not in our hymn book, so there are no numbers for them. Feel free to pause the recording anytime to find the lyrics where you are. Praise the Lord, sing hallelujah. The Lord is King, O praise his name. Number 228, Rejoice, the Lord is King. Until then, number 233, Alleluia, sing to Jesus. Number 234, Crown him with many crowns. Welcome to this worship service at McGregor EMC Church. 
for Ascension Sunday, May 24th, in the year of our Lord, 2020. This is David Cruz with Margaret Thiessen and the rest of the singers, happy to lead you in music. For 2,000 or so years, Christians have been gathering every Sunday to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Today, we celebrate the fact that the resurrected Jesus also ascended or went up to heaven. The ascension carries with it the hope of Jesus' promises, the promise to send his invisible spirit and the promise to someday come again so everyone will be able to see him. Let's pray. Jesus, today we celebrate your triumph over death and your kingship. Even though not everyone is submitting to your authority, we know you are already the king. Thank you for your mercy that you give us time to change before you come back to take charge. Receive our honor and praise today, which you so richly deserve. Amen. Clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. The Lord, the, the Most High, is awesome, a great King over all the earth. The Lord is King. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He is girded with strength. He has established the world. It shall not be moved. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. Let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need.
I'm reading from Psalm 47. Clap your hands, all you nations. Shout to God with cries of joy. How awesome is the Lord Most High, the great King over all the earth. He subdued nations under us, peoples under our feet. He chose our inheritance for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loved. God has ascended amid shouts of joy, the Lord among the sounding of trumpets. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing to him a psalm of praise. God reigns over the nations. God is seated on his holy throne. The nobles of the nations assemble as the people of the God of Abraham, for the kings of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. Sweet joy. 
Let's bow now in a word of prayer. Our God, we come before you this weekend again in awe. Lord, it seems that every week we are just perking up a little bit more because of the wonderful weather that's out there around us, and it's hard to explain just how much that means. But while many of us are feeling a lot better about how things are going now than we were a month or two months ago, we also want to remember those that are having a harder time now as well. Each of us has many examples of people that are not doing well as far as their health goes. Lord, we pray for those people. Lord, we pray for treatments that are going on. We pray for surgeries that are going to be happening soon or coming up on the horizon. God, we know that you are the great physician. Lord, we know that you are someone who can move mountains, who can do all things. Lord, for each of these people that is sick now, for each of these people that has that anxiety weighing upon them, Lord, we ask that you will be with them. Lord, we ask that you will give them strength, that you will comfort them, and that when the time comes, you will guide the hands of the doctors and the nurses and the healthcare professionals as well. Lord, we know that for everything, we can rest in you, and we thank you for that. And in line with this, over the last few months, there have been many people who have passed on. Our God, we pray that you will comfort the families of those who have lost loved ones, no matter who they may be. God, we pray that you will be with them. Lord, we pray that you will comfort. Lord, we pray that you will stand with and guide. There are people that are hurting that we might not even know of. Lord, we pray that you will show those people that not only are you with them, but your entire church is as well. And God, there's much uncertainty going on in the world during this time. And one of the people, the groups of people that comes most readily to our mind are our graduates, both from college, but more, more specifically right now, from high school. In our church, we have a number of them. God, we pray, first off, that they know how loved each and every one of them are, but also our graduates are going through a time now that nobody can understand fully, but you can. God, we pray that you will celebrate with them. We pray that you will walk with them. We pray that you will comfort our graduates as they try to figure out what the new world is going to look like. God, we trust that you have been preparing them this entire time for how to go out into this new world. But Lord, we also pray 
that you stand with each and every one of the other people that are in this world as well so that they will know how to walk with our graduates during this time also. And finally, God, once again, we want to pray for your ministries. The MCC comes to mind most readily. After the news of how hard COVID-19 has struck and all of the cuts that is going to have to happen with Midnight Central Committee, Lord, we pray that you will be the wisdom with the leadership there. God, we also pray that you will be the guidance for each and every one of the people that is impacted by these cuts as well. Lord, we know that your kingdom will be built, but it still hurts to see this happen. So God, we pray that you will make yourself seen now. Lord, for each and every one of these things, we come before you. For each and every one of these things, we put them in your hands. In your name we pray. Amen. I'm reading from the contemporary English version, Luke 24, verses 44 to 53 inclusive. Jesus said to them, While I was still with you, I told you everything written about me in the law of Moses, the book of the prophets, and in the psalm had to happen. Then he helped them understand the scriptures. He told them, the scriptures say that the Messiah must suffer. Then three days later, he will rise from death. They also say that all people of, the, of every nation must be told my, in my name to turn to God in order to be forgiven. So beginning in J Jerusalem, you must tell everything that has happened. I will send you the one my father has promised, but you must stay in the city until you are given power from heaven.
Clap your hands, all you nations, for the Lord Most High is awesome. For God reigns over all creation. The kings of the earth, they bow to him. Christ is exalted. Our passage today begins before it begins, with events that are largely only hinted at and implied in the Bible. And this beginning before the beginning begins, depending on the gospel you are reading about it from, with either all or all but one of the disciples together in a room with a locked door, early in the morning, each concerned about the same kind of thing. You see, for years now, the disciples had all followed a man whom they had come to regard as something big. They thought of this man they followed as a friend, and then as a teacher, and then as a rabbi. They were beginning to think of him as more than that even. They were beginning to think of him as something bordering on the divine. But just as that idea was starting to cross their minds, that was when Jesus Christ of Nazareth was put to death. And well, how could such a thing ever be done to a god? And as the disciples sat together in that locked room, we can imagine each looking at their feet, each seemingly trying to be quieter than all the others around them. You can, you can imagine the same thoughts were going through each of their minds, all asking the same question. What have I done? For the disciples, you see, they were in a bit of a pickle. They had each left a life behind them to travel with Jesus. They had each given up a lot to sit at his feet and learn what this man had to teach. To learn about the importance of love, the value of life and creation, the importance of caring for those in need, the, the importance of following God's will for their lives. The lengths that God would go to in order to help his creation was a lesson that they were beginning to internalize as well. And, and the importance of a community coming together to learn of that God. These were all things that they had learned from Jesus. For years, this had been the lives of the disciples, traveling with Jesus, learning from him, following his teachings. For years, they had come to be convinced that they were living the right kind of life. And then just like that, over the course of a long weekend, in the disciples' minds, as we see in the book of Mark, all that time and all those teachings with the death of Christ became thought of as simply wasted. But really, to say just that, to say only that it was just wasted, that I suppose would be putting a bit mildly it was worse than just wasted. The disciples had thrown their lot in with a man who had become known as the enemy of the state after all, hadn't they? Not a safe position to be in in those days, which we see in the book of John by how they were all hiding in that room, door locked so they couldn't be found. So that the question, what have I done, would be running on a loop through the disciples' minds, that, that we can be confident of. That also the questions, have I thrown my life away and what is there even left for me? We're having their time in the sun. That, that would be a safe bet as well. But it was here, in the pit of this despair, this doubt, this, 
this fear that there came a knock on that locked door, likely followed by voices calling out to them from just beyond the latch. They were higher voices, clearly out of breath, but also, I don't know the best way to describe them other than to say they would have been alive with excitement. The voices belonged to the Marys. They had left that morning early to go deal with Christ's body, and it was odd that they would be back already. It likely was only just beginning to creep up on noon after all, and the task of preparing a body for a proper burial usually took far longer than that. And so it is with a bit of bewilderment that one of the disciples got up and unlocked the door. And as he does, I, when I picture the situation, I like to imagine the door just bursting in, Mary's tumbling over each other to get into the room. And they would have been panting, and their faces, they would have been red, and their clothes scuffed around the knees. They had clearly been running. Everyone, they both would have exclaimed at the top of their voices and what it could muster anyway, as if in unison they would have said this before they began tripping over their own words, just trying to get their thoughts out, their minds vastly outpacing what they could say before they finally managed to utter, we saw him. I like to assume that it took several more minutes before the, the women could keep talking. It was it was not a short distance from the tomb, after all, let alone one that two adult women wearing typical first-century Judean clothes could run easily. But as we read in most all the gospel accounts that they hurried back to see the disciples, that they would be out of breath, I think, is a given. But finally, we can guess that they managed to say the words that had their exhausted faces just lit with joy. We saw Jesus. I don't think many things could have snapped the disciples out of their stupor or self-questioning, but that, that came close. It took a while for the Marys to calm down enough to say all that they had saw to talk about the angel and the earthquake, to describe the boulder moved away from the tomb and how the body was nowhere to be seen, and then finally to talk about how they saw Christ in the flesh, alive. I don't see any way that it wouldn't have taken a long time for the women to describe what they had seen. And, and once they had gone, we read more than one account of Peter going to check to see what had happened. But when he returned, the Mary's long since gone to spread the news to others who had followed Jesus as well. We read in the Gospel of Luke that Peter just had no idea what had happened. And so while I want to say that the message of the Mary's partially confirmed by Peter, opened the eyes of the disciples to what had happened. Sadly, I don't think that was the case. No, in their minds, this message, it was just far too fantastical. And the, and the disciples had given too much and lost too much to be pulled out of their funk that quickly. And so they did what all people do when the workings of God are put to them in a situation like that. They rationalized. 
A few moments and a heaping help of sexism later, and surely it was just that the body of Jesus was stolen and the Marys were just being hysterical about what they saw. Jesus back from the dead, that, that would be impossible. So by early afternoon, the door was locked again, and the disciples were back to making their lives miserable, thinking about all the life that they had wasted hitching their cart to Christ and the trouble that they were now in with the authorities because of it. For hours longer, this time of regret and fear would have gone on. The sun would have begun to fade, supper come, supper gone, though I can't see how the disciples were too terribly hungry, so I'm sure there would have been leftovers in the corner. As it began to grow darker, the lamps would have been lit too, smoke filling the air before they began to burn clear, the light of which you can still picture glimmering reflections of agony across the disciples' face. Occasionally, one of the ten or eleven would talk about something always in the past tense, but it always faded back to silence and time. Then, then there came a new knock on the locked door. And this one was louder, much more aggressive, a man's knock. And then a voice. No, no, there was two voices. They were hoarse, and again, they were panting, but they were voices that they recognized. It was Cleopas and that friend of his. What in the world were they doing there? And so late, too. They had gone home pretty much immediately after things turned south with Jesus. How much better life would have been if they had done the same after all. Get out of Dodge before the authorities even knew to look for them. Especially now that the body of Jesus was missing. Surely even more heat would be on them now. And so the door was unlatched. And again... Just like with the Marys, these two new souls tumbled over one another to get into the room, faces also red, as if they had run the entire way from their home in the country, miles away, uphill the entire way, to get to Jerusalem to see the disciples. We saw him. We saw Jesus, the two men screamed together. Their faces, despite their exhaustion, full of ecstasy, dancing in the light of the flames that lit the room. And while from what we know of the culture at that time, it would have been easy for the disciples to dismiss this news from the Marys, it was much harder for it to be ignored now. Two groups of people who in no way could have met up ahead of time, both saying the same thing, some truths are quite easy to brush aside, but then there are others that take every trick in the book in order to dismiss sight unseen. And so as Cleopas and his friend, after a long while, finally leave the room, the discussion among the disciples, you can imagine, went on for a lot longer this time, well into the dead of the night, before they finally got back to their doubt and despair. And as they do, one of the disciples gets up again to lock the door. And so, after these two interruptions, we finally arrive at our passage today. 
The disciples gathered together in a locked room in the darkness of the early hours of the morning, having over the space of a single day heard from two different groups of people that their Lord was alive, yet, as we read in Mark and in John, choosing instead a belief, doubt and worry in its place. Emotions would have been running as high as they could have been for the disciples. Their heart rates would have been off the charts the more that they began to freak themselves out. Imagining every bump in the night to be the guards sent to round them up, to give them a mock trial and to crucify them just as they had Christ. Then floating from that terror to the absolute bewilderment to be found in that Jesus's body was missing. Then to the words of Cleopas and the Marys and Peter to only arrive back at the cross and the, the feeling that their lives had been wasted. Round and round their minds would have been racing in the way that it is only possible when it's late at night. Like, like a torrent it would have been going, like a tempest, a hurricane, their minds would have been darting this way and that and the only constant that they would have would be worry doubt and because of those two things despair and it's here where one of my favorite moments in the entirety of the bible takes place because imagine this scene 10 possibly 11 men all going through exactly this torment all looking at the floor as you can't help but do after a long day of living with a mind trying its best to tear you apart. And then without a knock, we read that there is a voice. Not from the far side of the door this time, but instead in their very midst. Peace be with you, it says before chewing out all of the disciples for doubting in a, a puzzling uh, scenario involving poking the stigmata on Jesus' hands and eating broiled fish. And then, with what is possibly one of the biggest shifts in tone to ever happen in human history, the disciples, like the Marys and like Cleopas, the disciples also believe. For 40 days, we read, Jesus stayed with the 11 following that night. For 40 days, they were together, and not just like the old times. This, this was something more. Where once the disciples only caught bits and pieces of what Jesus was teaching, now the picture finally began to come together as a whole. While before the disciples had began to think of Jesus as a God, now not only were they shown to be right, but they were also shown the full uniqueness of that truth. For you see, in Jesus they learned was someone both fully God, but also, more importantly somehow, fully human as well. And Jesus was someone who could bridge that gap between human beings, always prone to sin as we are, always prone to coming up short, and God who by very definition is perfection. And Jesus was someone who could speak on behalf of humanity to God, who could mediate for us. In other words, in Jesus, the disciples learned there was someone through whom finally all creation that comes up short could finally be saved, be made right. 
If only people just like the disciples that night would have their eyes open to just who Christ was. For 40 days, the disciples learned again at the foot of the man that they had come to realize was not only their friend, was not only their teacher, not only their rabbi, and not only their God, but their Savior as well. Their Savior who had worked tirelessly for time untold for these very moments to come to pass. But then, like all things must, that time of learning for the disciples, it too came to an end. For as we read, Jesus ascended to be with God the Father, still fully human and still fully God, still serving that role of mediating with God on our behalf, still our Savior. And while we may expect that the disciples would greet Jesus leaving them as they had before with doubt and worry, after all, the powers that be were still very much so after them, now things were somehow different. The time for a lock on the door in a dark room had simply passed. After three tries and a miraculous appearance, Jesus had broken through to the disciples, you could say. And where once there was fear now, now there was the glory of what they had come to know about Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The glory that we can each come to know as well. Clap your hands, all you nations, for the Lord Most High is awesome. For God reigns over all creation. The kings of the earth will bow to him. Christ is exalted.
And our benediction today comes from the book of Numbers. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Go now and serve our God.